Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Rerooted Podcast. I do want to preface this episode, as I did the last one, with saying that the topic will be somewhat sensitive, so it may not be something that you want to share with ears of those under the age of 18. That being said, I debated about whether to record this episode for many reasons. In the grand scheme of what is happening in the world right now, I am one person, and what I do or say will not change things no matter how much I wish they would. So why bother? Also, given the nature of what I want to say, I know that once I hit the publish button on this, I cannot take back anything I've shared, and there will be repercussions. People may get angry with me, even more than some already are. Some people's worlds will be affected on many levels, questioning things that never entered their minds, and the hurt that may follow will be deep. I say that not for dramatic effect, but to illustrate the contemplation I've wrestled with in making this decision. I had to weigh the pros and cons, the real reason why I'm doing it, and decide if the fallout was worth it. In doing all of those things, the conclusion I've come to is that even if it makes no difference in the world, even if it hurts some of the people I love, it's what I need to do for my peace of mind during all of this divisiveness and turbulence. Today is Sunday, November 8th, and although the media has called the presidential race in favor of the Democratic nominee, the country is now more divided than ever. The presumed winning side is dancing in the streets and shouting from the rooftops that they've successfully defeated the evil that has been allowed to reign since 2016. The other side is questioning the validity of the process based on several instances that seem to indicate fraud and nefarious activity. Rightly so, whenever anyone loses, it does not feel good, especially if you have invested blood, sweat, and tears endured years of being maligned as a racist homophobe simply because of the candidate you support. And to be asked to accept that loss graciously in the face of questionable results without the other side showing the decorum necessary to prove they won fairly and honestly is just beyond frustrating. The ironic thing for me is that I have not invested years, as it was only since April of this year that my support of the president started. Prior to that, I too considered him homophobic, racist, rude, and every other slur imaginable. I sobbed uncontrollably in 2016 as I feared for all of my LGBTQ friends, literally believing that they were going to die with Donald Trump in charge, and that is not an exaggeration. As the months passed and I listened to the news, it was obvious that he was absolutely horrible and this country was going to perish under his administration. And I really believed that. If I saw a red hat or a Trump sticker on a car, I automatically assumed they were a racist and or homophobe. But honestly, I had no concrete evidence to back that up. And before anyone listening who happens to be on the left screams he's against gay marriage, let me address that. Yes, there is in fact video of him saying that he did not support gay marriage. In context, he said he believed in traditional marriage and when asked if he would appoint judges who might overturn the law allowing gay marriage, he said he would consider it. And yes, on its face, that goes against everything I believe. I believe in gay marriage. I support gay people being able to adopt children, 
and that they should be afforded every benefit that heterosexual couples are entitled to. But just because he stated his personal opinion does not mean he is on the attack and that the LGBTQ community will suffer. As a point of observation, Bill Clinton signed the Defense of Marriage Act, which denied federal benefits to same-sex couples, and the Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which permitted dishonorable discharge from the military if a person was gay. And he was a Democrat. The other thing I would like to point out is that Donald Trump not only has the first openly gay member of his cabinet in Richard Grinnell, but he made this declaration on June 1st, 2019. Quote, As we celebrate LGBT Pride Month and recognize the outstanding contributions that LGBT people have made to our great nation, let us also stand in solidarity with the many LGBT people who live in dozens of countries worldwide that punish, imprison, or even execute individuals on the basis of their sexual orientation. My administration has launched a global campaign to decriminalize homosexuality and invites all nations to join us in that effort. Now, I expect none of this to change the minds of people who hate him, but instead hope it illustrates my opinion a little more clearly. And then there's the issue of racism. For every person who has known me and proclaimed to love me, the idea that you can lump me into the collective cry of, if you support Trump, you must be a racist, quite literally pierces me to the core. I've never demonstrated anything of the sort, and in your hearts, I pray you really think about that. Not going to lie, I used to be a person who thought those things. A MAGA hat was synonymous with a white hood, and a Trump flag might as well have been like hanging a noose for the world to see your true colors. I bought into the idea that Make America Great Again meant a throwback to slavery, and I didn't want any part of that. But once again, last April, I decided to read and listen to what Donald Trump has actually done. So between opportunity zones, which in case like me, you don't know what that means, Opportunity zones are an economic development tool that allows people to invest in distressed areas in the United States. Their purpose is to spur economic growth and job creation in low-income communities while providing tax benefits to investors. Opportunity zones were created under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. Thousands of low-income communities in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, Columbia, and five U.S. territories are designated as Qualified Opportunity Zones. Taxpayers can invest in these zones through Qualified Opportunity Funds. He has also funded the HBCU, or Historically Black Colleges and Universities, for 10 years, putting an end to the yearly requests that they have had to make in every other administration. He designated the KKK as a terrorist organization in the unveiling of his $500 billion platinum plan for black Americans. And in conjunction with that plan, he actually met with black Americans for their input. Currently, rapper and actor Ice Cube met with Donald Trump to talk about the contract with black America that he created. And the ideas from that project are being married into the platinum plan. The Democratic Party did not want to meet with Ice Cube until after the election. Now, it may be because they were preoccupied, but given the volatility from the Black Lives Matter movement, I would think they would welcome input from the people the laws directly affect. But that's just me. And as another point of observation, 
Barack Obama was America's first black president, and he served two terms, during which for two years the Democrats held both the House and the Senate, which meant he could do anything under those conditions. And yet, no criminal reform and nothing addressing, addressing the systemic racism, which by definition means systems and structures that have procedures or processes that disadvantages African Americans. So by definition, it didn't just pop up in 2016 because Donald Trump was elected. It's been here for a long time. The last issue that I want to address, as it is quite the heated debate topic, is kids in cages. I believed every story I read about the horrors of children being separated from their families and being kept in cages, and I was understandably horrified, especially when I saw the pictures. I thought, oh my God, he is truly barbaric. Again, basing everything I thought on what I saw in the news Imagine my surprise when I found out that the, quote, cages were built by the Obama, the Obama administration and the photos that were circulating were from 2014. The difference between 2014 and the Trump administration is that the children were separated for select reasons under Obama, whereas Trump had a zero tolerance policy. On its face, that sounds drastic. But if you do a little bit of digging on your own, instead of relying on media sound bites, there is much more to the story. Human trafficking is a $36 billion industry in the United States, and more often than not, children were used by criminals, drug cartels, etc. to gain entry here. They were not coming in legally, and this procedure was done to protect the children as well as the citizens of this country. Was it perfect? Probably not. But ask yourself, especially in this time of COVID, where everyone has a mask opinion, supposedly the masks don't really work but they make it a little more difficult for the airborne molecules to spread, and that gives you a certain level of comfort, right? More so than no mask at all? Well, detaining, separating, and investigating significantly decreases the likelihood that drugs and criminals will take up shop in our country and potentially save even one child from a life of human and or sex slavery sounds reasonable. But again, that's just me. Now that I have hopefully provided some framework for why I support the president and what I believe he is actually doing for America, I want to get to the point of this show, why I am vehemently opposed to Joe Biden becoming the next president of the United States, and why I will never support him under the current conditions of the election results. While I have listed several reasons why I support Trump, I ultimately have only one reason that is the hill I will die on in this fight. I will never, under any circumstances, support a pedophile as the commander-in-chief. And no, I did not misspeak. I said pedophile, and I meant it. A lot of people think I'm basing this declaration because of the pictures we've all seen on the internet of him being seemingly inappropriate with young children, most notably Senator Chris Coon's daughter, who is obviously uncomfortable with whatever Biden was whispering in her ear. And the moment that Jeff Sessions literally swatted Joe's hand away from his granddaughter. To me, Sessions knew. While these are only two incidents, at face value they do not scream pedophile. Creepy, yes, but, but not outright pedophilia. So what am I basing all of this on? His own daughter's words. 
Ashley Biden was in rehab and subsequently kept a diary as part of her therapy. It was released in its entirety on October 28th of this year, and to date has not been refuted as false. It is 125 pages of heartbreaking honesty of someone who has dealt with a lot in her 37 years. But it was page 25. Page 25 caused me to stop suddenly because it confirmed every feeling I had while watching the pictures and short videos of Joe Biden stroking cheeks, hugging too tightly, kissing too much, and how inappropriate it was. In his own daughter's words, quote, hypersexualized at a young age, what is this due to? Was I molested? I think so. I can't remember specifics, but I do remember trauma. I remember not liking the Woolzak's house. I remember somewhat being sexualized with Caroline. I remember having sex with friends at a young age. Showers with my dad, probably not appropriate. End quote. I can't imagine any sane person reading that and not at least questioning it. What's worse, to not think this demands attention before allowing this man to be commander-in-chief? But for me, this is beyond just knowing it sounds bad. I know how truly horrible it is because it happened to me. For 10 years, nobody knew, and I truly believed in my heart that if I told anyone in my family that they would hate me, and think I was lying. No one would believe that a person they believed to be so wonderful could ever be so vile. And honestly, I sometimes really believed it wasn't as bad as I was making it out to be. I mean, there was never intercourse, so really, was it that bad? There's no reason for gruesome details here because it serves no purpose. But suffice it to say, it is horrible what was done to me, and I was robbed of everything good a child should know in their life. After years and years of burying it because it wasn't physically happening anymore, I felt like I could erase it, but that was simply not true. I realized that when I had such a visceral reaction to the comments and images of Creepy Joe, people could call me crazy all they want, but I know how each and every one of those young girls felt in those pictures, and nobody came to their rescue. So imagine reading inappropriate showers with my dad, having lived the life I have. The reaction was immediate anger. All of these people calling Trump, and by default me, a racist and a homophobe with no concrete evidence, yet here was written and visual proof that Joe Biden may have molested his own child and no one wants to talk about it? What the hell? It literally feels like being stabbed. In the United States, the statistics of child sexual abuse are approximately 40% of girls and 30% of boys, with half of the girls being a result of incest and a quarter of the boys. It's disgusting. It's a problem that no one wants to talk about because most normal people can't wrap their heads around it. And victims are often made to feel like they are doing something wrong if they speak up or they're confused that it's not actually even abuse. So think about that. All of those victims are now having their worst fears confirmed. 
perpetrators of incest can, can and most likely will be given a free pass all the way up to the highest office in the land. So why am I putting this out here now and risking every relationship I have? Because until Joe Biden and his daughter formally speak to what she has written, he is guilty of the most heinous crime imaginable, a crime against an innocent child. There are so many other things he has been accused of, and many Trump supporters will cite those as their reasons for not wanting him to be president. And while I don't discount those accusations, I don't have enough proof for me to unequivocally say he's guilty. But this admission in writing by his daughter, coupled with the photos, videos, etc., are all I need to know that this man should not be president. I want to believe in my heart that no sane person would support this man either, but I know that's a pipe dream. Too many people hate Donald Trump that much that they will dismiss this as an acceptable flaw, and that hurts. It really hurts. No child should ever, ever be victimized by an adult, especially a parent, and no victim should ever be forced to watch an abuser get away scot-free without being held accountable. I do not know what is going to happen in the coming days and weeks, but I'm convinced it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I also know that this will not change the minds of those who believe Donald Trump is the Antichrist. All I can hope for is that if you can overlook this and still support Joe Biden without demanding he address this, you at least know one of the reasons 70 plus million people disagree with you. This country is broken, and it's not one person's fault. There's many reasons for the turmoil, and I'm not so Pollyanna to believe that one person can fix them all either. But I need to know that I did something to show that the people who support Donald Trump are not racist or homophobic. We are human beings with reasons that some may never comprehend. So that in a nutshell, is why I am where I am today. I've been afraid to speak out because I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose people that I love. And I frankly just don't want to live in that place of agitation. But the more I keep it inside and to myself or try to dance around the topic when I'm explaining my position the more detrimental that is to my mental health. I don't know that I would actually lose my job. I do know that I can and have lost family, friends that think I'm completely whacked out of my mind. And it's really weird to say this, but I'm actually okay with that. Because for the first time in my life, 53 years, I have conviction for what I know is right in my heart. And no one is going to tell me otherwise or cause me to doubt that ever again. 
So no matter what happens, I do wish everyone some sense of peace, some sense of normalcy. I don't wish ill on anyone. I just don't want this to be swept under the rug when it affects more people than you could ever imagine. So even though I said it the last episode, again, it still rings true and it does get me through the day. Life doesn't always take you where you think you're supposed to go, but you always end up where you're supposed to be.